0: السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to episode number 14 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Allahu Marjana. May the curse of Allah be upon the son of Marjana. When uh, Ziyarat Ashura began the la'ans with those four general la'ans, those four groups of people that it sent General Laana upon those who laid the foundations of Dhulm against Ahlul Bayt, السلام, those who removed Ahlul Bayt from their positions and ranks, those who fought, those who facilitated the fighting. Those four general groups, after those four, we had three family tree names, let's call it, where you have the al Ziyad. Aalu Marwan, Bani Umayya Qatiba. These three family trees were cursed. Next. Now the ziyarah moves in and narrows it down even more to actual individuals and their names. Three individuals that brothers and sisters, I want to say everybody hates. You will not find anybody that will have the least respect for these three individuals. Even those who are staunch enemies of, of Shias, and Shi'ism, they will say that when it comes to these three, they are mal'oon for sure. Who are they? One of them is Ubaydullah bin Ziyad, the son of Ziyad that we covered a couple episodes ago, two, three episodes ago. Ubaydullah son of Ziyad. The second will be Umar ibn Sa'ad and then the third will be Shimr. So we have to talk about each of these individuals separately. In this episode, we want to cover Ibn Marjana. A.K.A. Ubaydullah bin Ziyad. So his actual name is Ubaydullah, son of Ziyad. We covered that Ziyad himself was an individual who was born out of wedlock, and so that's why he's referred to as Ziyad ibn Abi Ziyad, son of his father, whoever his father was. It could have been his father, his his mom, his mother's husband, Ubaid, It could have been Abu Sufyan. It could have been others, and that was discussed before. Here. His son, Ziyad's son, Ubaydullah bin Ziyad, is referred to as Ibn Marjana, son of Marjana. Marjana is a woman's name. And so they've pointed out how this is also a reason to believe that Ubaydullah, son of Ziyad, was also of illegitimate birth. Especially, especially if you take into consideration the sermon that was delivered by Imam Hussein on Ashura, the very famous one, very, very famous, where he says, Ala wa inna adda'i adda'i Qad Rakaz thnatain, bayna wa wa min Where the Imam says that the Da'i son of Da'i, meaning the, the one of illegitimate birth, the one of illegitimate birth, son of the one of illegitimate birth, so we have two illegitimate births here, has given me one of two options. Either to draw the sword and fight, or humiliation, Villa, And of course, we will never choose villa. Who is this person, this illegitimate, son of illegitimate? Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. What's for sure is Ziyad was illegitimate. Ubaidullah, according to this, is also illegitimate. And that's why Ibn Marjana will make more sense. Because as I said before in other episodes, if a person was back then was called by their mother's name, usually, I'm not going to say always, but we can at least say usually it was derogatory because it was alluding to the fact that that person, that person's father was unknown. Okay, so, um, even if even if he had parents, but you know it just shows that the mother was not a chaste individual. All right, having said that, this is the explanation of the title of Ibn Marjana, the fact that it's used in Ziyat Ashura, you can tell that the Imam is, is using this on purpose to bring him down as much as possible. This is, like you can say, one of the most malun and cur- accursed individuals of the history of Islam. And he wish, you, I wish it was just Ashura. There is more that he's also committed of crimes that we'll get to. So we don't have much information about him during his father's time. His father Ziyad, who was also a huge tyrant, and. Uh, has a lot of blood on his hands. We don't have too much information, they say, about him during his father's time, other than maybe it's likely that he was somewhat involved in helping his father out in Kufa and Basra when he was um, in charge of those two cities under the rule of Muawiyah. It's after his father's death that we have more information. So once Ziyad dies, Ubaidullah is made the governor uh, during Muawiyah's time. He's made the governor of Khurasan And then he's made the governor of Basra. Now in Basra, the khawarij, they were doing their thing. The khawarij hated everybody. They hated Imam Ali, they hated Muawiyah, they hated everybody. And so of course uh, Imam Ali is not alive in this time. And um, so these khawarij are going to have issues with Muawiyah. This person, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, who is now governor of Basra, he destroys and exterminates the khawarij there mercilessly. I'm not necessarily saying this is a crime, this one, because the Khawarij themselves were problematic. The Khawarij are the ones who were behind the assassination of Ali ibn Abi Talib. They're the ones who were behind the arbitration in the Battle of Safin, which ruined everything, which we don't have time to get into. But all in all, all in all, in this is one of those things that he did for Muawiyah. Ubaydullah destroyed the Khawarij of Basra for Muawiyah. Now interestingly an individual like this, you would expect them to keep him in power. So after Muawiyah, when Yazid comes to power, it's uh, it said that Yazid was going to remove Ubaidullah from governorship of Basra. But the political climate of that time didn't allow for such a thing. He needs, Yazid needed somebody that would that was merciless and would make sure that he would, that he would work in the interest and in favor of Yazid. And so Yazid keeps him Despite the fact that he wanted to remove him. So, and this is a time, of course, right in the beginning, you know, when that Yazid is asking for the um the bay'ah from everybody, including Imam Hussein. So this is a guess that maybe Ubaydullah knew that Yazid wanted to remove him, and so he wants to prove himself even more to Yazid by doing what? By killing Imam Hussein. Even if it means I'm going to kill Imam Hussain, it's worth it because I'll prove myself to Yazid. He won't remove me later. So this is Ubaidullah in Basra. In Kufa, Nu'man bin Bashir is governor. Nu'man bin Bashir, they say he was a softy or at least a person who was compromising. Um, and so Muslim ibn Aqeel, he is in Kufa. He's taking over. We've all heard the story of Muslim ibn Aqeel. How Muslim... Got, gathered all the bay'as for Imam Hussein to come to Kufa and he was representing Imam Hussein till Imam Hussein arrives Yazid sees that Numan bin Bashir isn't doing much to stop this whole thing Numan is just telling the people hey as long as you don't draw swords against me I'm not going to draw a sword against you What are you talking about Yazid says like if you don't if you don't stop this if you don't nip this in the bud and get rid of Muslim Daqil we're going to have a big problem on our hands later when Imam Hussein arrives at Kufa. So what does he do? Not only does he not remove Ubaydullah from Basra, he adds Kufa to the governorship of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and removes Nu'man bin Bashir. So what does Ubaydullah do? He takes care of business in Basra. There is one of the uh, representatives of Imam Hussein also in Basra that they had captivated he makes sure that he is executed, and then makes his way to Kufa. When he comes to Kufa, uh, the story is a long one, but in a nutshell, he is outnumbered. Ubaidullah comes in with fear. He doesn't have enough support and supporters, makes his way into the palace, removes Nu'man bin Bashir, sends him away, but is so cunning and just good at what he does that he's able to eventually turn the tables in favor of Yazid and to the detriment of um, Muslim al-Aqeel. and we all know the story: how Muslim is ca- is captured, how Muslim is also executed. Unfortunately, he doesn't stop there though. He begins killing the heads of the Shia or imprisoning them. The heads of the Shia in Kufa before Imam Hussein uh, is is arriving. And so, for example, Mukhtar Mukhtar al-Thaqafi that we've all heard of, he was in prison at that time as well. Ubaidullah imprisons him. Although Mukhtar was freed later because of the intercession of um, or Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Umar. Abdullah bin Umar, son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, he was married to the sister of Mukhtar. So he intercedes and asks Yazid to have Ubaidullah release Mukhtar, and that's what happens. And I think a lot of you have seen the movie of Mukhtar as well. Another individual that is taken in, Mayfam at tammar Rahmatullahi alayh. Mayfam had returned from Umrah, they say, and he is arrested. And they take him to Ubaydullah And he, of course, Maytham was, was very famous for his love of Ali. And of course, they want Maytham to speak ill of Imam Ali, to denounce and disassociate, and and so on. And Maytham says says, Of course, I'm not going to do that. And eventually they execute him in the most ruthless manner. One account says that uh, they crucified him. And he, he, while they, while he's being crucified he's even praising the Bani Hashim and Imam Ali and Ubaydullah tells them to bridle him. And so they bridle Mayfam. And on the third day that he's up there they stab him and he says takbir and eventually in the evening blood comes out of his mouth and nose and he becomes shaheed. That's one account. Another account says that they severed his arms and legs and he praised Imam Ali and they cut out his tongue until he became shaheed. So It was horrible the way that Ubaidullah had Maytham at tamar killed. So this is the way Ubaidullah is doing his work in Kufa. Is it to prove himself to Yazid? Is it the hate of Ahlul Bayt? Whatever it is, this man is the worst of the worst. So this brings us to Karbala now. He is so involved in the massacre of Karbala that he is going to be the one that is always going to save the day in the sense of people being able to not put the blame on Yazid. Those people who don't want to put blame on Yazid, who is the scapegoat? Who is the one that they can do that to? They can do it to Ubaydullah bin Ziyad. This is something I spoke about in previous episodes as well. There are some people who don't want to put the blame on Yazid. Well, somebody killed Imam Hussein. Who is it? They will, they will send their la'na on Ubaidullah. They'll say Yazid didn't want this to happen. But Ubaydullah there's no way out of it. For him, he's the one that was involved. He's the one who gave the direct command that Imam Hussein be surrounded in Karbala and eventually uh, killed in that manner. So the point I'm trying to make is that there's no way out of it for ubaydullah Some people have found excuses for Yazid even, La Natullah But for Ubaidullah, no one can find any excuse. That's how much blood is on his hands when it comes to Karbala. So he's the one who sends Hur, he's the one who sends armies with with Umar ibn Sa'd, he's the one who sends Shemr, because Umar ibn Sa'd was still uh, kind of getting cold feet in regards to fighting Imam Hussain. He wasn't sure. And this reached Ubaidullah in Kufa. So what did he do? He tells Shemr to go. He says, you go, and if Umar ibn Sa'd is, is going to show leniency, you're going to be the one who's in charge. And Umar ibn Sa'd is going to have to relinquish his position. Uh, this Ubaidullah is the one who commands that the children, the women, they're all imprisoned and brought to him and he disrespects Lady Zainab and the head of Imam Hussein السلام, and so on and so forth. So this is all in Karbala. But that's not all, brothers and sisters. And th- now we can un- kind of understand why this person by name is being cursed by the Imams. Um, and uh, especially Imam al-Baqir in this Ziyarat of Ashura, Ziyarat Ashura. After Yazid's death, what does he do? So that's not all, as I said. After Yazid's death, you can say he's the one who kept khilafa within Bani Umayyah. Why do I say that? Because when Muawiyah II dies, you have a big contender to the, let's call it the throne now, because that's what it's become, unfortunately. It's become a monarchy as if. Who is that main contender? It's Abdullah bin Zubair who is seen as a Sahabi of the Holy Prophet He had seen the Prophet when he was very young. Abdullah bin Zubair is one of those three that Yazid had pushed for their bay'ah in particular. But Abdullah bin Zubair had fled Medina before they could do that and get get uh, get uh, allegiance from him. Anyway, after Imam Hussein. After Yazid, he is one of the main contenders to the throne of Khilafah. And so even Marwan that we spoke about a couple episodes ago, Marwan wanted to go and give bay'ah to him because he was making major progress and strides, taking over different cities and getting the, the bay'ah of the people. Sometimes by fighting and his people fighting for him, or maybe even sometimes people would just voluntarily give him bay'ah because they're like, okay, there's no one else that we can give bay'ah to. Marwan wanted to also go and give bay'ah to Abdullah bin Zubayr. it has been recorded. What happens is, Ubaydullah bin Ziyad tells him, meets up with him and tells him, and discourages him from doing that, tells him not to, and promises Marwan, who is of the Bani Umayyah, to give him bay'ah if he becomes Khalifa. So you have Abdullah bin Zubayr, who is not one of the Bani Umayyah, of course, the Shi'i school of thought has major reservations in regards to him and he is very controversial as well, as well and we do not see him in a positive light. Abdullah bin Zul, he had problems with the Ahlul Bayt, anyone who has uh, seen that movie of Mukhtar will see, has even seen in that movie how you know how much hate he had for the Ahlul Bayt. Um, I'm not saying that we're basing our history on the movie, I'm just saying that it's even shown there. But yes, uh, it's very obvious, everyone knows that at least in the Shi'i school of thought, we know and believe that he had major issues with Ahl al-Bayt. Anyway, let's not uh, let's not go off track too much. Marwan wants to go and give Bay'ah and with that Bay'ah, the khilafa would have left the hands of Bani Umayyah altogether and gone to Abdullah bin Zubair and his clan. I'm not saying that it would have necessarily been better, but Al-Baydullah bin Ziyad is the one who doesn't allow that. And through his promises gets Marwan to go and get and take over the Khilafah. So now you have Abdullah bin Zubair in Mecca, you have Mukhtar in Kufa, and you have Marwan bin Hakam where? In Sham, in Damascus. All of them are contenders to the Khilafah now. Well Marwan is Khalifa, and as I said two episodes ago, Marwan was Khalifa for just one year until one account says his wife killed him, one account says he says he was poisoned. But um, during his time as Khalifa, the Tawabun, they rose. The Tawabun were those repenters, so to speak. They the ones who didn't aid Imam Hussein from Kufa and regretted it later. And so they said, We're gonna rise, we're gonna revolt, we're gonna fight the Bani Umayyah till we die, no matter what. There is no turning back for us. So Marwan he tells Ubaidullah bin Ziyad to go and destroy the Tawabin and as a, as an incentive promises him to give him all of Iraq and give him power over Iraq. So Ubaydullah wants to do this but before he does Marwan dies. But Ubaidullah goes through with this and he does destroy the Tawabin and really he exterminates them. Um And then from there, he he went on to send an army. Ubaidullah sends an army to fight Mukhtar's army. And that army was defeated against Mukhtar. But Ubaidullah doesn't give up. Ubaidullah himself goes with another army against the army of Mukhtar. And then it is there that Ubaidullah is sent to Jahannam finally in this battle. The son of Malik al-Ashtar, Ibrahim bin Malik al-Ashtar, in this uh, this army of Mukhtar is led by Ibrahim bin Malik al-Ashtar and Ibrahim finds Ubaidullah somewhere and kills him and puts an end to the life of this evil villain of Islam this enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ubaidullah bin Ziyad that everyone agrees everyone agrees was a tyrant and is Mal'un now this Ubaidullah is the son of Ziyad if you remember Um, a few episodes ago, we discussed Al-Ziyad and how they are mal'oon and how the Imam sends his la'na on the family tree of Ziyad. One of his sons was Ubaidullah. I have here that this was the main son of Ziyad but Ziyad had another like 20 children and it is it's been recorded that they were happy with what had happened in Karbala. So if someone ever asked this question of why Al ziyad because of something like this, brothers and sisters sisters, the one who is satisfied with what a group of people does, he is one of those people. Yes. So going back to this Obeydullah, he has been singled out, of course, because of his very, very significant and prominent role, negative, of course, prominent role in Islamic history. In Karbala, before Karbala, after Karbala, and all of that, we seek refuge in Allah from such a fate. Well, hamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. وعلى أصحاب الحسن